We expected some form of chaos today, Rich. I'm not necessarily sure I expected Zinedine Zidane to be reincarnated into the body of Scott McTominay. Yeah, it's difficult to know how to assess that game. It almost says more about Leeds than it does about United. It kind of things we know. <laughs> there, there are there are things we know about United that were just proven in that game, and there and there are now more things we know about Leeds, which we we possibly already had an inkling of before. Um, mm. But you know, from watching from watching Leeds this season, I appreciate that, that they would be better with better players. But you can understand <laughs> you can understand why Bielsa is fated for his kind of creation of a tactical system and the way that he he drills his players and and the way that he makes them incredibly fit and it's a really high intensity system but you can also see why Bielsa hasn't won an awful lot in his career compared to other similarly regarded coaches because if there's one thing that's really stupid to do it's to come to Old Trafford to play United who are probably one of the best counter-attacking teams in the world and play like it's a game of basketball where nobody does any mm. defending. It wasn't a very good plan either prior to the game or indeed in retrospect, but that's a fun 6-2 victory you've got to talk about. And it's fun afterwards. It's fun afterwards. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't fun during, yeah. strangely enough. Now, oddly enough, but before we get to that, let's introduce ourselves. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's Red Voices. Pleasure to have you here with us as me, you and Leonard and him, Richard, can discuss two wonderful games this evening for Manchester United. We have got the 6-1 demolition, sorry, 6-2 demolition of Leeds United at Old Trafford in the Premier League and a 6-1 further demolition of Bristol City by United Women over at Leeds sports village earlier on today richard before we get onto all that nice stuff how are you i'm okay we've we've had a first day of sort of christmas festivities in the house so uh mm. yeah it's been fun but i've 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 escaped um the game of life yeah you didn't i mean were you talking the board game or the board game something more esoteric no no oh, right, no okay. i'm not that deep um no literally mm. literally the board game which is the most interminable board game that was ever created and um also the favorite of one of my stepdaughters so we have to play too much but here we are because um, i'm getting drunk tomorrow night so we had to do tonight <laughs> <laughs> yes my plan is to get drunk tomorrow so we have to do all the festivities today yes, uh, it is, I- i'm all right by the way thank you for asking yes i know how are you ewan i'm all right thank you uh i've spent the last part of my last two evenings doing uh previews with leeds united fan channels which has been an experience Yes, yes, you told me about those. I, I heard you were called scum on more than one occasion. At least 20 times, I would say, in uh, Saturday night's preview. Yeah, it was an interesting one. Um, I think they were expecting more of a full-on Bantosaurus Rex, yeah. and I'm more of a herbivore, so yes. it didn't really work out that well. Plus, you they kept telling me off that it was... not re- a fighter, aren't you? Exactly, they kept saying it was really difficult to talk about this stuff because I'm so nice. And yeah. I guess I take that as a compliment, that I wore these uh, horrifically comedically styled people into submission by being kind and polite we're all above the uh the tribal nonsense on this pod aren't we kind of well to an extent i mean <laughs> let, let's be honest being leeds united 6-2 that was pretty fun so let's talk about it rich uh, so going into the game especially after the uh 3-2 defeat of sheffield united in midweek with uh pogba and matic starting that game i think we automatically assume with fred and mctominay not actually getting off the bench apart from a bit for mctominay towards the end we kind of expected to see the uh mcfred midfield pivot double pivot actually come into the play against leeds but you know when t- doing those previews and also having a little bit of a chat ourselves about that game coming into this weekend we expected some form of chaos because as we have mentioned many times one of the best things about united is that they are excellent at exploiting space if you give them the ball or if they win it back from you 
and Leeds are exceptionally good at pressing and United are not very press resistant. So we expected goals. I not, not in my wildest dreams that I expected to be quite that chaotic. Not in the sense that it weighted so heavily towards United in the sense that Leeds might have scored another goal or two. United could easily have scored 10 today mm. and it would not have flattered us whatsoever bearing in mind that we've that, that we've we've seen post Henri Arsenal at United God only knows how many times I, I think that was probably today the, the most tactically naive side that have ever come to Old Tra- that I've ever seen come to Old Trafford I'm trying mm-hmm. to there, I'm sure there may well be others uh, there may well be others of similar idiocy but that that seemed to if you think about the City game and I know I kind of criticised both Oli and and Pep for and Guardiola for for being a little bit conserv- conservative in that game, but even even Guardiola's sussed it that <clears throat> don't play United and be incredibly crazily open um, because you that that's how you're going to get beat. Whereas Bielsa is a, is an ideologue, isn't he? He's a, a kind of football philosopher rather than a. Uh, there's no pragmatism to anything he does. Uh, I mean there's a poetry to it it's kind of an art form and did you watch his post-match interview with Sky Sports so there was the long English question followed by the translation that happened and like a three word reply that was then translated back into English that was in absolute stitches it was hilarious I mean I I, I doubt Leeds fans care I mean they'll care today but I doubt doubt Leeds fans care as a whole that they play that open way because I'm sure it's been a hell of a ride for them but you kind of get the impression that if I don't know how long he's going to stay there. He may stay there. You never know with Bielsa, do you? He can leave at any moment. But you get the impression that if they're going to progress any more, they're going to have to try and be a little bit more pragmatic in what they do. And I think that the likelihood of that happening is absolutely zero under Bielsa. Yes, yeah. So they're going to mm-hmm. remain being incredibly fun to watch, but also incredibly stressful to, for your team to play against, even when you're 4-0 up. Because you know, there's one. If there's one team in the Premier League that's capable of just doing a madness, it's probably this Leeds team. Either way, lead it could be a bad madness or a good madness, but it's but it's them. I talked about this before, but even at four-one up, I'm kind of sitting there thinking. Sorry, four-nil up. I'm still thinking. Sitting there thinking, you know what? I don't. I don't feel like this is over. And then when they when they scored the the the, the goal back at the corner, you're thinking, oh, here we go. But as it was, it didn't transpire like that. But but yeah, for 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 the most what was ultimately in score terms the most comfortable game United have had for a very very or a Premier League game they've had for a very very long time. It was one of mm. the most stressful I can remember. It's really weird. I, I think it was anxiety inducing, wasn't it? Because yeah. you could just see Leeds preying on our vulnerabilities. You know, we'll talk a little bit about this later on, but. You know, Wambasaka was targeted, especially with those deep balls to the far post on the right-hand side. And we saw Rafinha getting a couple of opportunities. And De Gea did very well to save in the second half. And they also seem to be causing a lot of chaos in the box from corners and set pieces, which, again, we're not necessarily very adept at handling, despite our height in terms of our centre-backs. But on another day, that would have been a bigger problem had we not gotten so much joy and received so much space. And I think in particular with the way we started... The fact that we scored, what, 63 seconds into the game was just insane. You know, Solskjaer literally said on the pre-match interview with Sky, I'm going to pop off a balloon in the dressing room to make sure they're awake after starting so slowly in so many games of late. To see us actually switch on that quickly and pounce on Leeds in midfield, and that's what United did for a lot of that game. They... They didn't necessarily pressurise too much, but they were just so good at picking the ball off in really bad areas for Leeds, and Leeds just could not recover at all. 
They had a lot of their midfielders and their forwards up high up the pitch. And then when they gave away the ball between that sort of back five, back six area, United just swarmed all over them. And it wasn't just the likes of Fernandez or Martial or Rashford who were getting up there. Fred and McTominay had very clearly been told, get yourselves involved because there will be space for you and there could be decent shots for you to get through. And that first goal, I mean, one thing I mentioned earlier on on Twitter was that McTominay is underrated in terms of the way that he strikes the ball. We saw it a good two or three times last season and his strikes especially that first one was absolutely gorgeous I mean credit to Bruno for finding him in the first place and obviously thanks to Leeds for deciding not to even bother marking him or shutting that space down he just lets it roll across him it's got a little bit of swerve on it but it's an absolute bullet Messi has got absolutely no chance for that whatsoever and it was a great way to start but talk to me about that second goal as well which the work to get that done considering that that wasn't as a result of a break it was superb yeah I mean you have to give credit to to Wally if he, if he's true at his word in that he he said that um he'd told McTominay to to burst forward I was frustrated in the in the home game against um PSG in the Champions League because I felt that in a situation we didn't need to we we basically went toe-to-toe with them at to, in the in the last sort of 20-25 minutes rather than being cautious and trying to preserve what we had we essentially just went into a shootout with them and and on that occasion it would it would it went bad but it's clear that Oli had decided to take the same approach to this this game today and give that give McTominay that license to go forward where in other games perhaps he wouldn't wouldn't have it. I mean yes, I mean some of the some of the, the one touch football, some of the the passing, given what we've seen in first half, seventy Ad infinitum. <laughs> Ad infinitum really, that just the, the the depths of the ineptitude, the depths of the poor passing and movement and whatever else. United's passing and and their movement it it was so crisp it was so perfectly weighted everything was just coming off little flicks um you know bruno pulled off four or five really beautiful little flicks that took out you know a couple of leeds players and left someone you know clean through on the on the on their defense and just the, the way they were hunting in packs and it, it, we were just so on it it's the kind of performance we used to see a lot under fergie but we really haven't seen much of since and we really came out, you know, Mourinho's team is never going to be that aggressive from the from the start of the start of a game. Van Hal's team will never be that aggressive or direct, <laughs> or direct. And I don't think Moyes really had that in him. So yeah, I mean, it's that that kind of style. It really reminded us of, you know, those kind of crazy European nights under Fergie, and you know, absolutely flying out of the traps at teams. You know, it almost kind of felt a bit Bayern Munich in the in the Champions League, didn't it? Just all Roma or whatever, just absolutely hammering at a team from the start. Um, and it was mm. a really, really love, beautifully worked move, just throwing that ball through to McTominay again, who'd made that, that run. And I don't know if Leeds had assumed that he and Fred would largely have holding roles and prepared for that, or they just didn't prepare for United in the slightest. Well, I don't know if there's necessarily an element that you couldn't prepare for that McTominay goal, especially that second with the way that he takes that on, because he literally steps over the ball and hits it with the inside of his right foot and then hits it back across Messier with his left. I've never seen him do anything like that before. Well, we've never really seen it. We haven't seen him break forward that directly and that often at all, really, have we? You know, we've no. we've, we've seen him playing in box-to-box roles where he does a bit of both and he can get into the box and we've seen him score the odd goal and score from outside the box as well. But but he he hasn't played in a way that's that consciously offensive. Um, <clears throat> not offensive as in disgusting, but offensive as in as in attacking yeah so and I, and I do think that was a bit of a surprise to, to Leeds as well and if you're not if you're not prepared to track that run if you haven't 
told somebody to track the forward runs of McTominay, then nobody's going to do it. And and even if you've got the, in, in, enough men back, if everybody, if all of those players in the Leeds defence and any midfielders that are coming back have had a role that they've been given, then a player that's acting outside of those roles on the opposition is very, very difficult to handle. And it was a beautiful ball and a really, really beautiful sort of take and finish as well. But it, it just, I think McTominay's role just took them by surprise so much in those first few minutes. They, they, took, they had to adjust to actually think, well, we didn't prepare for this. We need to do something about it. Mm, Not that well, they ever did, really. <laughs> Not that they did really, but but they clearly they clearly he clearly just took them by surprise in terms of the role he had. Yeah, well, you know, we haven't necessarily been sparing when it comes to our criticisms and Solskjaer's uh, tactical limitations, shall we say? And so let's give a bit of credit where credit's due. He clearly yep. was told to get involved and push higher up the pitch, and it paid dividends. And McTominay was saying post match they spent a lot of time looking at footage and studying how this game was going to go and they clearly prepared well for it you know we have seen countless occasions this season where perhaps our tactical acumen has been left wanting today was not one of those days yes we still have problems defensively and we gave away a few too many chances for my liking but at the same time United were that irresistible going forward it's a it's a minor quibble isn't it and by the time we got three in a love yes Bamford had, had a couple of chances I think he fired wide on one occasion where Wan-Bissaka made a rather poor pass up into the centre of midfield and it was given away. And then he was well offside, but still found the net um, not long not before the third, if memory calls. But still, the way United swarmed ahead for that third one, you know, it was a, it was a great run by Fred to set Martial out in the way and he didn't he wasn't able to take the ball on. And the way Bruno followed that up, there was a certainty about that strike, wasn't it? And when the third went in, even though... We were 3-0 up. I didn't necessarily say I was comfortable. And especially, even though we went in at 4-1 up, I was thinking if Lee's can get a goal here, I'm not sure I trust this side yet. So at least Lindelof managed to make it four. You know, again, you were talking about corners. That reminded me very much of the goal we conceded against Southampton towards the end of last season, which made our top yeah, four yeah. quest a little, quite a bit harder. Um, but it was decent work by Martial to lose his marker. I think it was Bamford who was meant to be keeping an eye on him and he completely lost him along with Ailing. And then Lindelof is just all alone at the back post to tap into an unguarded net for the most part. It was pretty simple. And then the fourth goal, sorry, the first goal for Leeds, the Cooper header. United just need to improve in terms of their set-piece defending. This has been a problem for a while and it didn't necessarily look too great then. But 4-1, it didn't really flatter us. You know, Leeds had had some decent chances and some pressure, but United had just created so much and carved up so much space and won the ball back in such areas and Leeds couldn't respond to it. They had no plan for it. And whether that is a lack of preparedness or awareness or ability to actually defend those situations, United took full, full advantage of it. And it was it didn't stop going into the second half. You know, United had what? Another chance for Martial that he probably could have scored two actually. I think he came inside when Bruno played him in and he did the hard part with pulling away the defender. Again, I think it was Ailing. And then he just took takes an extra touch when he should be really trying to curl it into the far corner. And, you know, Cavani had an half-decent opportunity. Fred won the ball back and clearly thought, right, it's 6-2 at this point. I'm going to try for the seventh just because I'm never going to be in this situation again. You know, United could easily have scored more. So it's to our credit that at least we were able to get two more on the score sheet. And Dan James, someone who's been much maligned, but is actually over the last couple of months when he's played, looked all right 
at the very least. And today, I thought he was great. You know, he took that goal incredibly well, but all down to an excellent run by McTominay. But a quick question. Was that pass that he lays over to James, which he takes so well in his uh, stride, was that deliberate or was he going for Bruno? I think he's going for Bruno, but I mean, it doesn't really matter, does it? Um, no. I, I was actually, I was going to say that, I was actually quite pleased with Dan James's performance. I mean, considering the amount of time he's been out and how frustrating he'd become before that in terms of just not really having a clue how to how to get past players. He'd like, he sort of lost the ability to dribble, hadn't he? Lost the ability to, to beat players and, and the confidence to, to do that. You know, giving giving Oli credit, this was a really interesting game to, to bring him back into because it was obvious that he was going to have probably have the fullback isolated one on one because Leeds aren't going to double up and track back and <clears throat> be compact, and that's exactly the sort of situation in which his pace and and his agility is 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 really effective. And I think that showed that showed in the performance. It's nice of him to get his goal. He got a bit lucky. I don't think he hit it particularly well. I know it's not his best foot, so you don't blame him for that. Kind of went straight through the keeper, didn't it? But but it was a really it, it was just a lot. I think almost the, um, the 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 first touch to flick it around the defender was the was the the really classy moment rather than the finish. But at that point, I think that kind of put the game beyond Leeds. Or it's certainly in my mind that that was the point in which I thought, you know, what I can actually breathe now, um, <laughs> because you know even at that stage it still just kind of felt like a game of jeopardy, didn't it? It was it was like a basketball match. It was just one end to the mm. other end. Um, I was looking just looking just now while we were talking at the I've now lost it but the number of <clears throat> the number of shots the number of combined shots in that game for both both sides was was 27 united had 15 on target shots. you mean <clears throat> no 27 to- shots total 15 on target for united and five on target for for leeds so you know united clearly gave them a battering and deserved to win quite comfortably but i mean that's an that's an insane you know to get 15 shots on target in a single game i I think we'd struggle to recall the last time that happened. If you give our forward line space behind the defenders, if you give Bruno space, if you give Rashford space, they're going to destroy you because we genuinely are one of the best counter-attacking teams in 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 the world. I think it's mm. been the it's been the other side of the game that's the problem. I think I think Oli can set up a, to play against a team that's open very very well. It's the, it's the the teams that, that don't do that, which have really been United's undoing at home. But we wish we could play. Leads every week. <laughs> I mean, put it this way: if I was a Leeds fan coming into this game, you're expecting chaos because chaos has been the order of the season so far. You know, in amongst draws, you know, well worked draws against uh, City and Arsenal, and decent points here and there, and a you know a gallant vic- uh, defeat over Liverpool at Anfield. I appreciate that Bielsa is married to his footballing philosophy and there's a purity to it that I appreciate. You know, you can't help but get some sort of perver- well, maybe just some enjoyment out of the way that he goes about things. In a game like this, it the limitation of that is astonishing. I, I, I am not saying for one second that Marcelo Bielsa is a crap manager because he's clearly not. But the way in which Leeds went about their business in this game was absolutely remarkable. Like mm. it showed a complete misunderstanding about what United are actually very good at, and it played into our hands so simply. And for a team that has as bad a record at home as we do this season, one one drawn two, lost three over six games. Our last goal from open play was in our very first game of the season. We scored two penalties since then. 
to let us have that much space and time to enjoy ourselves was absolutely criminal. It was just a a really bad tactical perform setup today, and it just allowed us to have so much fun and more you know more power to it if that's what the game at Ellen Road's going to be like sign me up I can't bloody wait for that that'd be amazing only thing else to round off is uh, another customary uh, goal for Bruno Fernandes uh, another obvious foul on Martial I was talking to this with the Leeds lads on the preview on Saturday they're talking about all the penalties we get and I made the point look if you get skillful players and start running at people in the box and you get fouled a lot of the time don't moan when we get penalties it was very simple yeah. another stone wall penalty and yeah it was a to round off the scoring even though you really would have liked united to at least get seven or eight because there are opportunities to do it dallas with a great long range effort to make it six two in the end but i guess any more than that would be greedy you know had we got away with that game with a three two win i don't think any of us would be moaning too harshly six two i mean when was I think you mentioned there in terms of tact- tactically naive performances or games where United have truly let loose. The last time I can remember us playing that well at home with that much freedom, or maybe the eight two against Arsenal in twenty twelve. Yeah, it was beautiful, yeah. fully enjoyable, and that sort of sets us up quite nicely in terms of number one improving our goal difference. And even with that game in hand, now we find ourselves in the top four, top and three. Top three, good grief, yeah, blimey. Yeah. But I think that leads into another interesting part of the conversation as well. You know, To me, the fact that United have found themselves in those positions at this stage of the season, given the fact that we started off so badly, given the fact that we are still got one game to catch up on pretty much all the major teams around us and also given the fact that we had no real pre-season, to be up at this level and this position is encouraging, if nothing else. You know, take away the fact that the Champions League run was incredibly disappointing. Good things have been happening in the league. You know, we've had what seven games since we were defeated by Arsenal at Old Trafford. I think we've won six and drawn one by my count or thereabouts, and that's good form. I'm not saying every game's been a walk in the park because pretty much every single away game has been a coronary level, isn't it? But it's we are starting to put together some form. You know, and obviously this could all fall apart over the next three games. We've got Leicester, we've got Villa, and we've got Wolves, and those are not gimmies by any stretch of the imagination. Something is happening in the sense that we're at least continuing to get results when we play well and also sometimes when we don't. Yeah, I think we've come up against... I think we've had a something of a fortunate run in the league that we've come up against. There are a lot of teams that, that particularly on their own grounds, aren't going to be aren't going to keep it tight and aren't going to be compact. You know, West Ham, their strengths are attacking. They're always going to be an offensive side, and, and, and that's exactly what we could take advantage of. Southampton are very well drilled, but again, they're not a sit-back and counter-attack side. They're, they're, they've got other qualities, and they, they played, in a, played a pretty open game. And, you know, we've still seen in the City game when a team's much more compact, it's more difficult. But, but we have had a run where we've been really fortunate to play against teams who who, who have allowed us a lot of space at times in games and I guess the one the one team that didn't really do that was Leipzig and that that ended in a in disaster so mm. but, but but it's definitely I was saying to you before we recorded that looking through our fixtures at any point I've looked at the next three or four fixtures as we've gone through the season there never seems to be an e- what you'd class as an easy run but if you look at the teams, the kind of teams that we're talking about facing you know we, we won at Everton and Everton aren't the side at the moment who play a cagey game, you know, they, they're they taking the game to the opposition. You've got Villa, who are, you know, quite a swashbuckling side this season. We've got them coming up soon, even down the bottom, you know, Fulham are very open. Arsenal aren't, and I'm annoyed we lost to them, but 
there's, there's so, there's so <laughs> yeah, many, that one there stings, so, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But but there are so many teams this season who are not being conservative, and, and perhaps they feel that there's a, an opportunity in this this strange season that we're having um, to to actually take a chunk out of the, the bigger teams with you know having to play however many rounds of European games as well. They're thinking, yeah, I mean, you know, I can, can see that. Yeah, it works, though, doesn't it? It, it? Sometimes it works. You know, you saw Fulham really have a go at Liverpool last weekend, and they were 1-0 up, deservedly so, in that first half. They carved out two or three excellent opportunities and ended up drawing one all. But they deserved that result. And you saw Palace, when they played Liverpool on Saturday, you know, they might have gone 1-0 down early on, but they had a couple of really great opportunities to level up. They kept going. Yes, they got absolutely hammered, but sometimes they will get those results. They will drop they points to the good ones. Yeah. They put four past leads. You know, they've had a go. They've got, mm. they've got more technical players. You know, they've brought, they've brought in Eze. West Ham have brought in Ben Rama. And, and, you know, the, these, these are much more attacking teams than, than previously. And, and that really, really suits United. And I think we've been, we've been very fortunate to have a run of games against teams who are also high in confidence and so don't necessarily feel the need to be afraid of us. And that's really played, in, played into our hands and allowed us to play the game that, 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 that's really our most effective. Mm, yeah, sure. I mean, that'll all fall apart when we play Wolves and it's nil-nil, but, you know, fair enough. Well, yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, of course, yeah. Right, time for a quick break. We have a small favour to ask, friends. If you're enjoying the show, please help spread the word. Leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Acast, or any podcast app you use. It's a small thing that helps shows like ours to move up podcast rankings and generate more listeners, and it would be hugely appreciated. And we're back. Right, uh, Rich, I've got a fun game to talk about. Do you want to talk about your terrible game? Because this is basically just the episode of Thrashings. You want me to talk about the under-23s? Yes. The under-23s have been really good fun this season. They, they've been playing very, very well. They were... I think they were about fifth or sixth going into this this match this weekend against away at Chelsea, but but the, the gap wasn't particularly great. Um, I think it was only three or four points. So you know, there are a lot of congested teams at the top there, and I, I kind of hoped that United would give them a good game. But as it, as it happened, it turned into an absolute marmalising. It, it reminds me a little bit of the Youth Cup game, which was the, the hangover, the semi final from last season that was played six or eight weeks ago. I can't remember exactly how far back it was, but I mean Chelsea only won that one one nil, but they absolutely battered United for particularly in the first half in that game and probably should have been four or five up by half time and it was very much similar I mean <clears throat> good players made mistakes Mengi made a mistake for the first goal um, Galbraith made a mistake for the second goal and the United were just completely outclassed which was a shame but, I, but maybe a um, maybe a valuable lesson I mean if you there there had been some comments after <clears throat> the Leipzig game I think and in other games recently that you know Galbraith couldn't do any worse than Matic or or whatever and and, and Galbraith actually conceded the, the possession sort of right in front of his penalty area from which Chelsea scored the second goal I think it just just reminds you that the gap between 23 football and first team football is absolutely enormous and so there's lots and lots of talent there but they probably they need more time and they need more experience United put out very young teams and there's also a lot of a lot of rotation in, in the selection so kind of success as a team in a season isn't the ultimate goal it's really developing players and, and challenging players I don't think they'll be too devastated by the the result in itself or the performance and I, I imagine United will probably use it as a, a valuable learning tool rather than be something that they'll let them get, get really down it's just one of those days they played the team who are at the top of the league they're just very 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 good <laughs> so but I mean, considering this under twenty three team was playing, you know, in Division Two, 
of, of Premier League Two last season. They've come up to a higher level and that they've, they've definitely been competitive. So they just kind of have to take this one on the chin and move on to the next one. Let's pivot to United Women then, who had their last game of 2020 against Bristol City at home. Now, when we were speaking about the women's team earlier on this season, Rich, you pointed out that there's certainly a bit of a gulf between the top teams and the bottom teams. And yeah. nowhere has this been more obvious than Bristol City, who coming into this game had, I believe, a minus 34 goal difference, had not won any of their nine games coming in to this final game of the year. Um, so with all due respect I was trying not to overdo it but it really was a point for United of trying their best to get as many goals as possible and that's kind of how it proved you know again this is an element today where United played front foot attacking football they were really intense difference was today Casey Stoney clearly said in that first half to shoot on sight so you saw the likes of Arna Batier, uh, Tobin Heath, Leo Galton all absolutely smacking it from distance as soon as they got the opportunity once the ball came to them and that's how actually United were able to break uh, Bristol down in the first initial element that was Leah Galton somehow getting an incredible shot right into the roof of the net from way outside the area without barely wasn't even running at that stage it was superb bit of skill from her Millie Turner with a header from close range after Katie's Elm corner and then Jess Sigsworth after another typical Manchester United corner scramble uh, to make it 3-0 and then Tobin Heath scored two absolute peaches one was a long range effort after a bit of terrible defending by the Bristol City centre back who just basically passed it straight out into the middle of the pitch and Heath just sent this beautiful chip curler right into the far corner and then a bit of dazzling skill to completely bamboozle the defender and find it to the bottom corner. And there's one I'm missing. Let's have a think. Leah Galton chucked in a, uh, should have been a cross to Ivana Fuso and completely misjudged it and ended up sending it high and curling into the opposite corner from closer to the edge of the penalty area, I'm going to say. Um, one goal for Ebony Salmon, which was something of a uh, consolation. But United ended up with uh, an equal goal difference to Chelsea, plus 18. Yes, the Blues have got two games in hand because their game was cancelled, sorry, postponed this weekend due to a uh, COVID-related reasons. So United do sit atop the table four points ahead of Arsenal, who also won today. Chelsea, obviously, still with those two games in hand, you expect them to sort of stop when they are up, when we eventually turn to football at the start of January. Uh, they will close that gap pretty quickly, of course. But at the same time, United still need to go out there and win and win handsomely. And they certainly did that. And you look at where this calendar year has gone for United. Obviously, the curtailed season didn't help. But they have started this league campaign with such confidence. They had two really grindy victories recently against Villa and Reading, as we said. Today, they were just irresistible. The, the, gal- the gulf in class and quality was huge don't get me wrong and it was certainly unfair on some level to Bristol but United were superb and they certainly need to keep that up going into the start of the second half of the season against Everton next month a couple of Twitter questions this week, Rich, to round off the episode before we actually get forward for a chat about that League Cup game against Everton okay begin with uh, Andy McCoy will Leeds fans now avoid the M62 nice I was waiting for a good <laughs> 6-2 joke well played and he's got more of a serious one, actually. A serious question. Can United keep pace with Liverpool? I mean, Callum Head says no, but it, this is just a banana season, isn't it? And if, if teams keep approaching games against us in the same way, you know, we will score a lot of goals. I mean, ultimately, where are we? We're How many games into the season are we? We are 13. We're, we're 13 in, we're 14 in. So we're, we're more than a third of the way through the season. And ultimately, we are five points behind Liverpool with a game in hand. So... To this point, we have nearly matched them. Whether we can do that longer term, I don't know. Whether whether we can do that when we've got we're facing seventy million rounds of Europa League, um, <laughs> I don't know. What obviously how we approach that um, will be important in that in that as well. But it, it seems to be at the moment that 
possibly we can. I don't know. It's just this season is so warped. It's so it's so unusual, isn't it? It's just such Ooh. a strange a strange season. And you're seeing teams like Villa. You're seeing teams like Southampton, Everton, who um, would certainly have improved this season, but they're really going toe to toe with some of the more established established teams. You know, we, we, la, la, this time last week, people were talking about to, uh, talking about Spurs as potential title challengers or, or really in the title race and possible winners. And within within two matches, they're now a point behind United, having played a game more and down in fifth. So you can see how absurd and how changeable this this season is. And you know, Leicester Leicester of our second, they're just above us by a point with having played a game more. But their season has been quite it's it's almost been as chaotic as as anybody's. You know, if you look at their look at their fixtures, a great win today at Spurs, but last week they lost at home to Everton. And before that, they beat Brighton, and they just they scraped past Sheffield United, but they also lost at home to Fulham and beat City five two at the Etihad. Yeah, exactly. And got gub- they they lost at home to Villa, got gubbed at home by West West Ham. You know, so this has just been a completely balmy season, hasn't it? And, and home mm. and away form doesn't really seem to count for what it did before, for reasons you can understand. It's just it's just all a complete madness, isn't it? So, I think the answer is. Maybe we can, and I think maybe there are four or five teams that possibly could. No, I, th- I think we can. It's whether or not we will. You know, you look mm. at United over the last seven years, and I know I talk about the post Sir Alex Ferguson landscape like an absolute twat most weeks when it comes to sort of analysing things like this, but it's true. You know, that, that mm. we haven't necessarily seen United maintain consistency over the course of a full season for a long, long time. Now, having said that, when was the last time we were five points off the top of the table going into the Christmas period? It's been years. You know, even when we were second to City going into Christmas, we were 13 points behind them. So to be in this position right now, it's certainly something to build on. And what I will say is that of all the teams that we've had over the course of our last four managers, this one is best equipped to go on a proper run and challenge for the title. Whether or not we will is a completely different story, but there's definitely a chance. And that's some that's more than we've had for a very, very, very long time. I keep saying we've got we've got the quality. We've got the, certainly got the attacking quality. As good, I think, as any team in the Premier League. Maybe we perhaps haven't got the, the, the overall quality that City, that City have or... Maybe at front line as as effective, effective? as as, Liv- yeah. as Liverpool Jigs. as Liverpool's yeah Jigsy, um as as Liverpool's are now but but in terms of the talent we've got in that forward line the the the, the range of ability and the, the the different midfield options we've got now which which allow us to have a different approach for different games you know I really think in that respect we've got enough to be a lot better than we were last mm. season in terms of in terms of points and our points return is considerably better than this point last season the only the only areas i question perhaps in terms of competing liverpool are maybe the fullbacks you know that they're without van dijk and i don't underestimate how 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 significant that is for liverpool because it is enormous but we don't have the the dynamism at fullback and the offensive ability and the danger that they create from fullback um, no, I just wonder if maybe Liverpool particularly have have maybe an extra string or two to their bow that we don't necessarily have in those tight games when when those those are kind of points that that separate the the, the team that finishes top from the team that finishes second or third. Um, but 
I think the one thing we've seen this season is that it's going to be fun to find out because it's all mad. <laughs> Very no true. Way. It's just a ball bananas, oh, yeah. isn't it? The whole the whole Premier League is just completely mad. Um, so who the hell knows? It's been entertaining, and obviously, yeah. You know, as as most of you uh, listening to this are in the United Kingdom or at least close to it, will be aware. Everything's a bit sort of part of my French up around here at the moment so to be able to enjoy fun football even if it's not united has been quite the godsend so thank you for me for that uh nathan downey were united really good or were leeds just really bad maybe it was both it probably was nathan yeah um and then carrying on from that daz greer do you think bielsa will ever get criticized for coaching the worst defense in the league or is scoring two goals while shipping six seen as some level of success these days all right Daz. he should be criticized for that game because you know, it was it was tactically naive beyond belief, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay being a you know supposedly a, a football philosopher, but ultimately your job and you're you're paid to to win football matches. And I'm sure that Leeds fans aren't particularly chuffed with the result today in any way. Um, and and I'm, I don't I'd imagine many would have preferred that they'd been a bit more um, a bit more canny in the way they approached the game rather than going head to head and thinking they could essentially out out box the possibly the best team in terms of taking advantage of of space and and overloads and things in in the premier league so maybe maybe mm. this is a lesson perhaps they'll take this and this will be a bit of a lesson but i'm not sure it will be because i i can't see bielsa changing anything he does well, they got beat 4-1 in successive games by palace and leicester so i'm guessing no 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 i think you're no. right Anyway, quick preview for the Everton game in the League Cup on Wednesday. I mean, you're talking about the squad just a moment ago there, Rich. That'll be one of the good things about this season in comparison with last. Obviously, Bruno's with us for the whole season. Pogba's fit and you've got Van der Beek as well, which means I'm assuming we're going to see a midfield more akin to Matic and Pogba and Van der Beek when it comes to that game on Wednesday. Now, it's not the most important fixture that we've got in this Christmas run-in. And you would say the League Cup is probably the lowest on our list of priorities at the moment. If you were going to talk about in, you know, bigger accomplishments for this season considering that if United have got anything about them in terms of uh, aspirations they really should be pushing all out for the title but having said that United have not won a trophy since 2017 and this is something that Solskjaer really could do with doing considering that we got knocked out of three semi-finals last year so to get a result at Goodison Park going into a semi-final against likely the Newcastle Spurs or City you'd take it wouldn't you it'd be great to continue in this competition yeah it would I think it's got to be approached as we have so far. You know, we we have to make sweeping changes. Um, mm. You know, for the, I think for the first time, I look at the United squad now, and I think there is a bit of depth, not enough. Um, but but when you've got guys like when when we're suddenly thinking, well, we have actually got quite a lot of options. You you basically leaving Pogba out. Every Pogba other didn't day. even play today. When was the last time Pogba didn't play when he was on the bench? No, exactly. Um, but I understand it because I. I I just don't think Leeds is the team to to play him against in a, in a in a two man midfield with Bruno in front. I think you just leave yourself massively exposed, and that the 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 aim today was quite clearly to to swarm Leeds in the way that they swarm other teams and win the ball back in dangerous areas and 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 rip them apart when when they've committed players forward, and that's that's what mm. we did. And Pogba isn't that man, you know. That Fred and McTominay are the are the sort of ideal mobile terriers that you need in midfield rather than an artist. You know, we look we can bring in Van der Beek and Matter and Pogba Matic, you know, that 
that's that's actually an awful lot of depth for a reserve team that you're sticking out at in a in a in a Carling Cup away tie. You could take that front six out today, replace it with Matic, Van der Beek, Pogba, Cavani, uh, Greenwood, and Mata, and you could get. You wouldn't be shocked if you got a half decent performance out of it. No, and you, you, we've now got um, Tellez at left back, which mm-hmm. is an absolutely monumental upgrade from anyone else who hasn't been. Uh, well, it's a mon- I, I think he's an upgrade from Luke Shaw, but I, but he's a monumental upgrade from anybody not called Luke Shaw in the last. <laughs> Six, Careful, Paul six, here is talking about Marcus Rocco. Yeah, sorry, yeah, six apart from Marcus Rocco, obviously, um, in the last six, seven years. So, mm. um, you know, even even Brandon Williams seems to be a bit out of favour, but he, he can come back in at right back, perhaps um, perhaps centre back with the injuries and whatnot that we have is probably not is probably the the, the sort of weakest area we have in terms of scum. We've, we've even got Henderson on. The, I know we had a terrible game the other night, or until the, that save at the end, but you know, we've even got. An international goalkeeper, an England international goalkeeper, who's our second choice goalkeeper. This is certainly the deepest squad we've had in quite some time, I think, uh, and the best mm-hmm. squad, to be honest. I mean, the, we still need a right winger. We still don't have a proper right winger, but but in terms of depth, I, we we certainly not had this level of depth since probably since Ferg. I mean, you could you could actually argue that we've probably got more depth now than we had in Fergie's final season so to have those kind of options that we could bring in for a Carling Cup game is is nice and it would be nice as well if if perhaps United if perhaps Ollie maybe took one or two of the of the under 23s just to get them involved and 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 possibly give them some match time because it's not the end of the world if we go out perhaps some of them need challenging a little bit more you know maybe one from I'd suggest maybe perhaps Elanga or Medjbri Galbraith there's a few down there that obviously Mengi I think is another one who could do the, you know would benefit from a bit more experience. Ethan Laird was back in the, in the under twenty threes. There are lots of lots of players there that it would probably do good to include them and and, and try and give them a little bit of playing time if it's if it's possible. Where, how Everton approached that game, I don't know. I, I I can't recall who they played in the last round and what sort of team they put out. I'd imagine they they have similar thoughts to us in that it's a competition they, they'd like to get through in, but it's not the end of the world if they go out because they've got a real mm. opportunity in the league, probably, at the very least, to, to challenge for a top four place. Well, I mean, the only thing is, whichever whatever happens on Wednesday, United or Everton haven't got a long time to think about it because we were playing a game again in three days. Um, yeah. I think we'll leave it there for now, Rich, and then we'll be back in action after, let's think, Leicester, a trip to the, oh, is it the KC Stadium? Uh, King, King Power. Power. King Power. King Power Stadium. Stadium. Oh, we get those two mixed up. Uh, I can't necessarily say I'm really looking forward to that one. I think that's going to be a tough one, but we'll see in due course, won't we, my friend? Thank you for joining me this evening. Pleasure. Pleasure. And guys, thank you very much for joining us as ever as well. That's also hugely appreciated. If you want other huge appreciation from me, then you know very well what you can do at this stage. It would be hugely, hugely wonderful if you could leave us a review on iTunes and, you know, maybe even a follow. A cheeky follow would be wonderful. And then you can follow us on Acast or Spotify as well. Or even tell your friends about us because anything along those lines helps us hugely in terms of actually making sure other people hear the podcast and makes us happier in the process. You want us to be happy over Christmas, don't you? Uh, beyond that, you can always get us on Twitter as well. You can get me at you and like this. You can get Rich at Rich Red Voices and you can get the pod at Red Voices MUSC along with our blog at redvoices.net. We'll likely be back after Lister on Boxing Day. So take care of yourselves. Have a wonderful festive period. All the best to you. Lots of love. Bye-bye.